Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Naked and Inside Out. It's Shanine Toro here. We're an LGBT podcast highlighting people in the community doing some incredible things with their lives and careers. And we're here to share these stories with you, our listeners. Today, I'm really excited to have on Robin Mack, Mel Rife Hill, and Jay Mays, all creators of The Gender Book. So if you don't know about The Gender Book, I am going to, as I'm holding it, as none of you can see it, but I will link it when I do release this episode, it's a great publication for all ages that essentially explains what gender is, the difference between gender and sex, the history of it, all these really exciting things. So everyone, welcome to the show. Great. I'm so glad to have you all on. If you could each give us a small background about yourselves, and then we can get started talking about the book. Sure. I can go first. My name is Mel, and I grew up in Houston. I went to art school at Rice University. And I did the illustrations and some help with the words for the book. My name's Jay Mays, and I am someone who works with LGBT communities in Houston, and I've been doing that for most of my adult life. I definitely am super proud of the gender book as a, as a work that supports that work. And I'm a native Houstonian and working for one of the largest LGBT centers in the South. And I studied and uh, creative writing and nonprofit management here in Houston. And I'm Robin Mack. I am currently in Houston. I was originally born in California. And as a profession, I'm a massage therapist and a yoga instructor. For fun, I like to perform gender and hang out with the most diverse, quirky, fun, artsy, creative people I can find. And Jay and Mel were one of those quirks that I grew quite fond of. And through a lot of our conversations with our friends and our family and our professional peers, we realized that there needed to be a resource that just got the basics out, but was also very fun because gender expression can be really fun. And we thought... We'd like to show that on paper, show that through books, because we all love books at the same time. So how did you all meet? We all met because we were in the same drag troupe uh, originally. And then we ended up uh, living together in a big gray house. Interesting. We were housemates (laughs) and troop mates. (laughs) Yeah. And then we started doing yoga at the Transgender Center and started showing up around the same Gay Straight Alliance panels, and we we just started doing almost everything together, and it was really fun. We went and did acro yoga retreats together, and oh, yeah. uh, little nature walks at Mel's family's house, and just got a lot of time to hang out and chat. That sounds really nice, actually. <laughs> it sounds like you all yeah. really, you know, it sounds like you all really just connected in both like a personal and then sort of this other creative way, you know, by way of the book. So how did the idea start for the book and how did you actually make it happen? Well, so we, as performers and as people who are kind of interested in communicating ideas in four and a half to six minutes uh, on a stage, I felt like we already had a really strong bond at kind of talking through how things should look and how things communicate to an audience through drag and through some of the other performance work we were doing 
at festivals in Houston and around the South. And it was really, really profound the way that we were able to kind of talk through things with one another and then start to think about how many friends we had that were struggling with their conversations with their families and looking for resources that could help us in our own conversations with our mothers and aunts and and family members, but wanting to have a resource that was super simple and pretty and didn't involve a lot of text. And so we started just kind of brainstorming one day and made kind of this baby zine called the booklet, the gender booklet, just to get some basics on paper in 2010, kind of after there was a suicide of a queer teen in spring, which is right outside of Houston. And there were several LGBT suicides that had gotten a lot of media spotlight in that kind of 2008 to 2010 timeframe. And so we were just really kind of taken to, to do something different than what we had been doing and doing something with a wider possible audience. And that's kind of how it started. So what's interesting to me about it is, you know, there's this constant conversation about Or people, most people, at least that I come across, don't know that gender is different than your sex and all these sort of groupings, right? Like we're, we're bucketed into all these kind of categories, which to me in some ways is a positive thing, right? Because it has this sense of community and you're able to truly identify with yourself. Like this is who I am. This is how I identify. But it also becomes very confusing to people for some reason, even to me, like I've had this conversation before where, you know, the LGBT label just keeps growing and I see the positive and, you know, kind of like the, not necessarily the negative in it, but the, conf- the confusion around it. Do you also feel that way? Can you expand on like, where does the negative or the confusion come into yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. So I find that specifically when I'm talking to people that aren't in the LGBT community, they don't understand all these different sort of labels, like non-binary, like if you're non-binary, if if you identify as they or them, you know, these things that you want to be respectful of because you want to be respectful of how, of how someone identifies. So I guess what I'm really getting at is how, you know, do we create this awareness of it that it's not like this specialized thing. Like we're not trying to draw attention to ourselves. We're just trying to be ourselves. And I think that the book really gives that understanding. Like it, like it goes into explain all these different things and why they're important. Right. So, so did anything sort of happen like that while you were writing or, you know, maybe while you were trying to like, um, get the book out there all the time, but (laughs) Mel, Mel, would you like to take a step first? I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's, it's a constant, we're in kind of an exciting, an exciting time right now where people are getting clearer about their, their own self identities and really trying to figure out what the exact right words are and making them up if they don't already exist. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think there's room for that. But like you said, there's also communication concerns that we want to make sure we have some shared language and, that we are able to find ways to talk about who we are with others at the same time. So there's a balance between being understandable and being accurate. Yeah. And I think it's something that as, you know, diversely gendered people, which we all are, we all have to kind of navigate. 
and part of what we what we wanted to accomplish with the book is to make some of those conversations a little bit easier and to say like, well, here's some shared language. Can we just agree on these terms for now as just as a starting place? So we really do feel like the book is not like a dictionary of transgender identities. Uh, there's so much more than we're able to list. But what we do hope that it is, is a place where people can start as a, as a launching off point. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and that's the thing, like I was talking before we kind of jumped on the interview here. And I feel like, honestly, I wish I could take this book around and hand <laughs> it to every organization I've ever worked for. Every family member that has ever been like, I don't understand this or what, you know, whatever, like schools earlier, the better, like getting this knowledge into the hands of people as soon as possible, because it's important. And it's something that needs to be understood and respected. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you guys started doing the book, I mean, what did you have him essentially have in mind? Like. Because I, you know, it is for any age, which I think is great, right? Because I could be five years old and be reading this, or I could be 50 and reading this, and it's digestible information, you know, and it's illustrative. So it's not, you know, like this big novel that I have to read. So do you want to talk a little bit about kind of maybe the thinking that went on um, when creating the book? I think all of us love <laughs> great question that I know all of us like have a world of an answer for. So. I mean, there's so many stories I want to share, right? I mean, there's so many examples of conversations I've had with families where like I just get teary eyed thinking about like what a difference it's made for them to be able to communicate together, but with their family members and their friends and their community, right? Because so much of of LGBTQ culture, right, comes from being able to talk to your family and friends about who you are and how you're doing your life, maybe in a new way, in a new sort of vulnerable out way. And I think, like you said, five-year-olds could read it. And we know that there's a lot of of concerns for young people that are sort of on this queer, non-binary spectrum. And talking about gender has really got a lot of us in a tizzy (laughs) lately, but I think when it came to the book, I was just like, what is something that really inspired me as a younger person when I was like trying to figure stuff out? And it was always illustrated, accessible, thoughtful things. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, family circus was one of my favorites just because I love the way that the kids would always like climb over the fence and have a million different trails to get to different parts of town and you would follow along and see where, where their adventure took them. And that was kind of one of the influences for our walk in our shoes page, like taking our main character all over his experience of coming out and and their experience of, of finding community. And for each page, I felt like we had so much intention and commitment around honoring the possible nuances and and ways that things would be construed about this particular conversation. Specifically, I'm thinking of intersex. And even we have a page that distinguishes between transgender and cisgender and kind of wanting to not recreate a binary in those two terms with a, with our images, mm-hmm. but but really kind of supporting what those two definitions are so that people can just start to wrap their brains around it. Right. We really intended for this tool to be supportive of allies in grasping their new love, their their family members and their and their friends. So I don't know if we intended for it to start out as an ally tool. It was really 
a tool for us <laughs> to kind of get things out on paper. But it definitely has, I think, morphed into that as you're describing, you know, giving it to all of your employers, all of your we wanted doctors and therapists and educators and administrators and everyone to have it so that they could support the young people and the families in their lives. Which is incredible. So thank you all for doing that. I'd love to hear I'd love to hear Mel's answer on that though. Maybe yeah, maybe even restate it if if you're lost, but uh, I think that's a beautiful answer. I think we can all definitely align with that and but when I think of how or why this was created in this sort of way like I love how Mel shares that I don't know like their beauty for art and their their communication style through illustration. Oh, uh, thanks. Uh sure. For me it just kind of had to be illustrated. Like that's it seems so obvious to me that like it's just this language that little kids can understand and people from, you know, even if you don't understand the language, like you can still get the pictures and get something out of it. So I think that's kind of crucial to the to the project for me. I mean, obviously as an illustrator, that's <laughs> how my brain works. I think for every page, like we would, we would talk together when we would look through survey responses and, and we would just kind of sketch out plans on the kitchen table and until it kind of came together as a visual thing first. Um, it always started with the illustrations for us, I think pretty much every page. And then once we had that kind of sketch down, we would talk about like, well, what could go in this thought bubble? Or like, what is this person's experience in this in this scenario? We would kind of work in the words later, which is an unusual way for a, a book to be made. But it was a it was a really fun process of of trying to work out like, well, what's the simplest way we could explain this really complex topic and and go from there? Because we really wanted it to be something that was digestible in one sitting that you could just kind of flip through and get some foundational understanding. So it's not, it's not the gender theory primer that will make you understand it all, but it's a, it's a really accessible starting place. And that was our goal. Thank you. And like, I would say for me, as somebody who was leading yoga at the transgender center in the South and looking at the trans archives, watching people question whether they were trans or not, whether they would be employable or not, whether whether their family would love them or not, their employers kind of learning about these terms of, from people that they already thought were great employees and they want to support them to continue to stay employed during their transition, but didn't know how. And and those people didn't necessarily know how to be an educator for themselves while they were also transitioning. I personally got a lot of people asking me questions. So I ran into a lot of family who wanted to support their loved ones and realized that they were going through some sort of gender inquiry, whether they were going to transition or not. Employers that love their employees but didn't know how to respect them through transition. And people who were looking at transitioning but didn't really know how to use language, use communication to say, this is what's going to happen. This is how I need to be supported. So it kind of came together as one big pressure bubble. Meanwhile, you know, we're performing our own gender. We're exploring our own gender. And we all three, each three of us have different ways of talking like, you know, what it would really look like at a table is when we're having a conversation, Mel would just draw <laughs> <laughs> and, and he just, he just like starts sketching stuff. And, 
and 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 Jay gets very introverted and very in their head and thinks a whole beautiful world up before they ever even talk. And I'm just I'm a go 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 person. So if if it didn't happen in three seconds. I'm not going to sit there and read a book. I'm not going to sit there and like hypothesize and theorize. Like we've got conversations to be had. And that's beautiful because all three experiences were there. And what I think is that a lot of people, even the people who love the book may not know how to utilize it, how beneficial it is because each page is a standalone tool. You don't have to sit there and read the whole book. You can pick um, the gender planet and work it out with your youth. You can pick the intersex page and know how to tell your employees like, okay, here's some bare basics. Like this is what's going on. This is how to be respectful as, okay, let's look at the, how to be respectful as an ally tool. You don't have to read the whole book and you can. And as long as you have a body, you're going through some sort of gender expression yeah, it's relatable. So I really felt exactly. like it includes everyone. Yeah, no matter how it intended, it always comes back to like, well, now everyone's having a conversation about it. So how can we support them in their conversation, their gender journey? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's you know one of the things that's great about it is it's relatable to everyone, mm-hmm. right? We're all humans, um, so you know what I mean. So we could all easily sort of pick this up, read it, you know, from front to back. Or, you know, oh, I want to find out more about what is the difference between, you know, someone that dresses up in drag versus trans, you know, because there's this, like, stigma about these things or these assumptions about these things that people don't have the knowledge of. And it's just like this, I've been referring to it almost as, like, the gender uh, cheat sheet. Really? Because, (laughs) you know, it's funny because you would think in a city like New York, right, that everyone would understand these things or be open-minded to them. And it's just like, just some people aren't exposed to it. So it's, you know, exposing them to these things and making them aware. Have you received feedback on the book from people? And like, what are they saying? And especially too, because I noticed that you guys have resources for teachers and schools. And like you were saying, like other organizations that you reach out to, has it been mostly positive? Yeah, I think so. It's been the, the feedback we've gotten has been overwhelmingly positive. Which is not to say that it's perfect by any means. We've also gotten some really, really helpful critique as we were working on it and feedback in that way as well. But I think the response has been kind of amazing. And every time we get an email, we we read it all together and talk about it. And, you know, it brings tears to my eyes to know our little baby is out in the world doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I, I think like we just find ways to pull people in, you know, when we go out and I think as long as people come from everyone is included and you start to walk that out and find ways to do that, like the gender planet includes everyone, the androgynous male and the masculine female and the feminine male, like that includes everyone. The binary is present in the pages and then it walks out the misconceptions. It walks out where we can expand on that and, particularly because we were surrounded by gays, lesbians, bisexuals, transgender, the whole umbrella along the way, we did get a lot of feedback from our community. And we realized that we have a lot of things to learn. And so do they. They may have their own expression down, 
but they may not know about each other in new ways. We found community members finally, you know, they said, I finally took the time to sit down and really read every page. And I realized, wow, how much I didn't know. And I, I, we think that's beautiful. We That's the reason why we created it, for people to take as little or as much as they want. Like some people just think the colors on the pages are great. They don't read it. They walk away going, hey, that's fun. That's cool. I like comics. Hmm. You know, adults go, oh, I guess that must be for a kid. I'm like, don't act like you don't like color. And then they come back in. They're like, okay, I do. You know, <laughs> what about pop-up books? You know, <laughs> like they like, <laughs> I was holding out for a pop-up book myself, but <laughs> this is what we can do. Maybe 2.0. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in addition to the gender book, you all continue to work in the LGBT space which I think is great in itself. You sort of had this like side project that evolved into a book that's getting into the hands of many people that need it. But you also, you know, continue to work in that area. With that said, how do you see the future of the LGBT community? Oh man, Jay, you're the one with their finger on the pulse there. <laughs> oh Lord. I, I feel like if we had this interview last week before the elections, we might've yeah. had a, uh, that would have been a before and after and probably a different answer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, well, I'll take a minute there. Um, <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can, I can like most of us, right. Only speak to my experience. And what's interesting, right. Is that like, we are, we're community members. Um, you know, I do not have a, a PhD in gender theory from, Columbia, you know, like I'm a person who loves art and making a difference for people. And so I speak with that hat on of like someone who has been engaged in uh, community organizing in a, in a Southern city, that's kind of a pressure cooker for um, lots of interesting political races and interesting community organizing ideas. And what I see for the future of LGBT community, especially in Southern cities. I mean, I think we've seen a lot of backlash in North Carolina. We've seen a lot of backlash in Florida, and we've definitely seen a lot of, of new LGBT, pro-LGBT candidates elected in Texas and pro-LGBT projects getting funded locally. That is not really ever happened one of the largest marathons that takes place in January is going to have an LGBT team. I mean, things are changing really rapidly, but I definitely see the community's needs every single day, right? Like one in four LGBT folks is food insecure. You know, LGBT seniors are twice as likely to live alone and be isolated and depressed than their heterosexual peers, right? So like there's still community issues that have to be addressed. And our book is awesome, but like, that's not necessarily going to eradicate poverty and low-income housing or, or make low-income housing happen for our aging seniors. So I have a lot to say about this, but I feel like, I feel like when it comes to, when it comes to people who coming into power, who have an intention of, of oppressing or, you know, putting, transgender youth into conversion therapy. Like, I think that that's something to pay attention to and something to mobilize around. And I don't know exactly what it looks like for me personally and for our community at large, but I think that there's a lot of really amazing brains in this 
in this conversation and I want to stay connected for sure. Completely agree with you on that. Uh, Mel, do you have a, um, I know I'm like, Hey, how about you, Mel? Uh, but you know, Mel, Mel's on the West coast and we're in the South and I just wonder what the perspective is over there right now, post-election. How is it for all of your communities? There's a lot of shock. I think here in the Bay Area, we can kind of be in a bit of a bubble of, you know, liberal thought. Like I went to a protest the other night. Like there's a lot of energy from this kind of upset of nobody's really saw it coming, you know. And I think what gives me hope is is being from Texas. I know that we can survive and thrive regardless of what is around us trying to keep us repressed or, or make us like everybody else. And I think knowing that that's possible is really helpful going forward and knowing that like progress is going to be made. And in some ways it, I think it tends to have a galvanizing effect and, and I see us sticking together. And that's one thing I've always loved and appreciated about the trans community in Houston is that it's actually a community and the trans women hang out with the drag Kings and the drag Kings hang out with the gay men. And like really everybody is, is connected across. We don't, we don't do the clickish thing because we have, we stick together because we have to. And I, I hope that the country as a whole, our, our LGBTQI community can come together and find strength in, in that community. Yeah. I live in La Vida. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to add to just a perspective. Like I talked to, um, you know, we're in Houston here and, and Houston lost the, Houston Equal Rights Ordinance this time last year. The nation heard about that. We were caught off guard by that in some respects and then anticipated that from other perspectives. But it causes a backlash across the nation. And I have a dear friend that I talk to on an almost daily basis that's in North Carolina. And, you know, they're under a completely different bubble of race wars, police brutality, their community is, from what I can tell, close in, 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 a, in a GLBT situation, but also sort of not so close in a race situation. And then when things get very uneasy and violent very quickly, people have to choose a whole different sort of community or sides, if you will. And it's been rough and the media is not accurately covering things. And, and on top of it, they stop covering things, even though things are still going on there. And a lot of people can be very flippant and say, oh gosh, I really care. And then move on to their life and never like, what is that? What is, there's no action behind that statement or uh, why don't they just move? And they're like, that's not very accessible to a lot of people who have jobs or they're connected to the military there or they're connected to, you know, their families or their schools there. But they're still in a very tough situation. And when you add on this election, particularly for the GLBT community, but particularly for the trans community, the trans community is well aware of where we're at in our hate crime numbers, 
we're coming into the Transgender Day of Remembrance. So for us, it's not just Thanksgiving. It's not just Christmas. It's also a time where we sit and we honor all the people who have been lost to hate. And they're really up against something in North Carolina. And I, I, I point that out because a friend of mine, um, Z, he oversees the Trans Lifeline operators and encourages them and supports them. And he does use the gender book. And this book does make a difference because when people come in to volunteer, again, they don't know everything about all shades of the spectrum, nor should they. It's a time to be educated. But, you know, Z told me a story about one of the Lifeline operators that he pushed the book back and said, no book has ever had me in it. I'm not reading it. And Z said, this one will, I promise. And it broke his heart open in a really good way to finally see some diversity in things. And it allowed him to be more empowered on these calls. And there's the, those lifelines, those suicide hotlines, those text support systems have not slowed down. We may be moving on, but they have not slowed down. So there are parts of our community that are still very afraid and are still very suffering. And they don't have a protection bubble. Yeah. So the action I see to take around that is to not just send people to those, you know, Trevor Project is awesome and, you know, those those support systems, but also to cheer those people on. If you can do that in money or saying thank you or, you know, do some of your own phone calls to your own community, that could be very, very helpful right now. Yeah, 100% agree with that. I mean, with you saying kind of how you answered the question that if we did this prior to the election results, how different our responses may have been, right? And, you know, it's it's a very interesting time. And I do hope that we do come together as a community and just continue to push forward. <laughs> really, uh, yeah. I really appreciated uh, Chris Rock's joke on Saturday Night Live last night with Dave Chappelle. He said, women, 55% of the population, if blacks were 55% of the population, we would have a whole bunch of presidents. We would have a whole bunch of, Flava Flav would be the president. <laughs> and I was just <laughs> cracking up at that. Like, yeah. I think it's not just about the president, but it is about visibility and representation. And I really appreciate your podcast for shining light on artists' lives and doing your part, you know? Like, yeah. that's just all we can ever do. Yeah. We're doing the best that we can each and every day. And we're putting our pants on, you know, one leg in front of the other. And um, and it takes a lot of tools. It's not just a book. It's not just a podcast. It's not just comedy. I mean, the truth is, is it takes a lot of tools. We have a lot of people who are very busy and, and, you know, it takes something to get into people's bubble, especially even more when they're in fear or in like fight and flight. Yeah. And that's when that good old fashioned reach out of a buddy, like, Hey, yo, are you really okay? Like, let's go have coffee. Let's go like, let's go like talk about it. Let's think about it. Let's, let's, let's see how we're going to get through these, you know, next couple of weeks where, stereotypically, regardless of this is an election year, can be really rough on people. Like, we don't have a winter here in Houston, but it's still rough and depressing sometimes. Yeah. You know, so I I actually do turn a lot of people on to your podcast and to 
comedy shows like Put Your Hands Together that's really diverse and just having ways to tune in to community in your daily life, even if you can't reach out or call a friend, because it's not that easy sometimes. Sometimes it could be the phone that weighs a thousand pounds. You know, if you can log in and push play, you really do offer people a service of being an instant community to them. And we are very grateful. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And with that said, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, this has been really great. You know, I hope to continue the conversation. If our listeners want to find you, where's the best place that they can reach um, the gender book as well as each of you? Thegenderbook.com. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter and all that good stuff. And Instagram. uh And Tumblr. And Tumblr. I'll be sure to put the links when I do uh, air this. That's the best way for them to reach you, though, through the gender book, essentially. Yes. And what I want to say about our ebook is if you go to the genderbook.com, our ebook is really radical. It, it's a shareable link for donation, which means you could put zero or anything and just send it to someone. So whether that's, hey, family, I don't need to talk about this, but I need you to know that this exists. You just send it to them or you can send it to a friend or teachers can put it on their syllabus. It's very down. It's downloadable and it's very accessible worldwide. And that might be all people need to do is just share the resource right now. Yeah, hundred percent. I'll be sure to link that as well. Great. And we want to see your. We want to see your your own tools too. I think if if this project shows anything, it's that like this. We never made a book before. There's not a gender studies you know graduate degree between us. Like we're just ordinary community members who wanted to do something and make some art in response to a need. So if you see a need, uh, we want to see what, what you're making. Yeah. We really do love to hear how it's making a difference and what new things people have or old things people have. And they can, we really do love to hear about that. Share us, tag us, keep talking with us. Cause you know, that's how we bring community together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I could just see so many collaborations stemming from it. Just sharing that resource and people having it and then, you know, even telling you how it influenced them or maybe they have an idea or, oh, this is how I'm using it. I, I think it could just go full circle. I mean, we do speaker agreements, but it, it could be as easy as people opening up a laptop at their Gay Straight Alliance or, you know, Z in North Carolina at every tabling event. He opens up the website and so people can look at the pages and bring it up on their phone. I mean, it could be as easy as that. Yeah. Awesome. All right, great. Thank you guys again so much. Thank you so much. Thank Janine. you. Yes. Listeners, thank you again so much for tuning in. You can find us on nakedandinsideout.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Casts. You know, on social, Naked and Inside Out, almost everywhere besides Twitter, it's naked underscore inside out. Feel free to email us with any comments, concerns, if you want to collaborate at hello at naked and inside out. Thanks again. Until next time.